howdy do. Had had a good morrow. Okay, oh, yeah, that's more on speed with today's. Um... That's more. Yes, that's more uh, on theme. Yeah. <laughs> a good morrow to ya. So hi, hi there. Hello, Hello friends. Hello, listeners. Hi, listeners. Uh, new and old, or you know. Not not old. I'm not saying you're old. Shout outs to the babies long time, in the audience. Long time listeners. Hey. <laughs> do you okay, I have a question for you. When we're recording, do you pretend like you're talking to an audience? No. The Okay. The only reason I'm able to be candid is I pretend I'm talking to my friend Rhonda. What about you? Mm. Okay. Well, I, I, so it's kind of weird. So it's like kind of a parasocial thing because like mm-hmm. I'm talking to my friend Aaron, uh-huh. but I also always have in the back of my mind that I'm talking to like my friends who I know listen right. to the pod sure. and I'm also talking to, you know, people out there that we don't know who listen to the pod. Yeah. And so it's this weird kind of parasocial thing that, like, yes, I'm talking to you, but yeah, I, yeah, well, it's weird. Anyway, I mean, I guess I'm not really <laughs> none of us. <laughs> I wouldn't be. This... We none of us perform to strangers. No, no. Um, I guess no. I wouldn't be this performy with you as a human. Like, if we were at co- coffee or something, you know what I mean? Like, I'm. Uh-huh. Like a yeah. persona of who I would like to be in my life. It's not like total sure. yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that we're also, you know, our, if you and I were just like at coffee, we wouldn't have such like, I mean, we would definitely talk about Shakespeare <laughs> if you and I were just going to coffee, but it wouldn't be, you know, like such a focused discussion. <laughs> right. Probably. <laughs> Although there were days at the museum when we would like communicate in quotes and that was kind of fun. That's true. <laughs> or we or or with just a look. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> R- Rhonda. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh okay. anyway, hi friends. Hi, hi friends. Pop DNA. Hi. And uh we're trying we're trying a little something new. Yeah, um, this is a little bit a little bit different for us. I, we're yeah. we're doing the summer theater program, the Pop DNA summer theater program. And summer has kind of historically been a time when we try out different like formats and ways of doing things. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. So we did lit summer for for two for two years. Yeah. Oh my gosh! It just oh my goodness! Good Aaron, gravy! It's been almost three years. Good We've turkey doing and gravy. My goodness. Wow. For almost three years. Wow. Yeah. So our yeah, so our first two summers were lit summer and I think that was a good time. I do too. But I think we, you know, kind of decided that so what we typically have done with lit summer is that we do a novel, a play, and then like a folk or fairy tale. Yeah. Um, but I think what this came down to is that we couldn't decide which play we wanted to do this summer. So we're like, well, let's just do a whole bunch of plays. Let's just talk (laughs) a lot about scripts and stuff. Yeah. We were having a really hard time just not picking one, you know? So here we are. Here we are indeed. Yeah. So... So we picked out six of our favorite plays and musicals. Well, technically seven, if you want to count Pygmalion and My Fair Lady as separate plays. But we're going to talk about them together because they're, you know. Right. They're, it's the same thing, basically. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but we, So we picked out six or seven, if you want to count it as seven um, plays and musicals that have had a very pervasive influence in pop culture and media. Yeah. And we're going to do some kind of like mini discussions yeah. about, about these works and we're going to have some fun. 
And sometimes on the pod, we have like kind of a more freewheeling conversation for like one part of our like monthly discussions or um, whatever. But for I think for the majority of the summer, we're both such big old nerds that these will probably be pretty freewheeling. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. And of course, we're going to we're going to give like a little bit of um, some background on each of the plays. Yeah. We'll do like maybe a little bit of a plot summary but we also feel like most I think most of the plays that we've picked are such popular works that most people are probably already familiar with these so we're gonna spend most of our time talking about the pop culture influence that that these works have had which because like that's what that's what our podcast is about so you know if only gotta yeah gotta stay on brand gotta stay on brand and we also some of these details are like okay cool Mm -hmm. (laughs) doesn't really matter yeah yeah it's fine we're good we're good so um so that's our idea for the summer theater program um, if you thought that this was going to be like a theater camp for your kids, I'm sorry. We don't have the bandwidth for that. Um, but also please <laughs> submit your audition tapes. Um, we want to see them. Yes, please do. Um, you can send us a voice message. So if you would like to send us a voice message of, you know, you performing your favorite monologue, we would adore that. Oh, by all I- means. I would. Please do. It could be our um, outro from here on out. We could just play. Oh my goodness! Your Can monologue. you imagine? Okay, if you okay, so listeners, if you go to our Instagram, we have a post that lists all of the plays that we'll be discussing this summer. If you see a play on there, and you want to perform a monologue from one of those plays, please do please and do. send it to us. Please do. We would love that. We don't heckle. We love all interpretations. I mean, we might heckle. Oh, no. Yeah, maybe. But not in a mean-spirited way. No. Okay. Loving heckles (laughs) is our brand. Loving heckling. We kid because we care. So So, here we are. (laughs) Yes. So that's our idea for Summer Theater Program. And for this first installment, we kind of are, we were like, well, let's go big or go home. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Because um, what play are we talking about, Aaron? A play that I'm going to have a lot of feelings about. Oh, I do too. I do too. Romeo and Juliet. Or as Baz Luhrmann calls it, Romeo plus Juliet. Sure. Sure. He put mm. the kind of... um like addition or mathematical um, part mm-hmm. of it in. I, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Definitely. I only wish that the title had been Romeo plus Juliet equals love. I wish it had been Romeo plus Juliet equals a bad time for everyone except Rosalind. <laughs> that is also true. <laughs> uh, Romeo and Juliet. I think everyone, everyone in the world. Mm-hmm. No, I, well, I shouldn't presume that everyone in the world, I'd, I'd say everyone in the English speaking world knows this play. This play. Yeah. Would you agree? Mm, yeah, it it has graced the the Facebook walls of many a, a human. Mm. Um, the Tumblr posts. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if Juliet had a Tumblr? Like she, oh my gosh! Oh no! Oh no! Juliet on Tumblr oh, would be, oh no! She would fit right in. Yes, and Romeo would be like um, all the yeah. annoying comments that people write on other people's posts and things. Yeah, mm-hmm. be. Romeo would definitely be a Reddit dude. Ew, he would. Romeo, yeah. Ugh. Right? If we okay, here's. A new segment for uh, <laughs> summer theater program. Um, which social media each of the characters would use the most? So obviously, Juliet would be Tumblr. Romeo would be Reddit. Also, um, Romeo yeah. would be like a YouTuber. He'd be like a all right, fa- mm. or, all right, YouTube fam, and like all of like, share, subscribe. Yeah. 
I'm really totally imagining Justin Bieber in my head when I think of Romeo <laughs> and Juliet, if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> and maybe it's because oh I had a God. silly week and I'm working out some anger. I don't know, but I really don't have time for Romeo right now, to be honest. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> no. I do not have time for Romeo Montague. Frankly, okay. No, no. So, <laughs> frankly, no. So, okay. So, like, everyone knows this play, right? Right. Like, do we need to give a summary? Do we need to give a, a plot <sighs> summary? I don't know. Do we? They're star crossed. They think they love each other after meeting for two seconds. And they're in eighth grade. They're an eighth grader. <laughs> <laughs> they both instead of ever asking for help just try to solve the thing all on their own with these like ridiculous plots that like don't like why would you ever do that that kind of thing right yeah and then every, yeah and then they die and the families <laughs> are like well we're cool <laughs> thanks i guess we're cool now I guess okay we can be yeah friends. <laughs> I mean that's the whole play. That that really is the whole play. I think. Um. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think we're finding out that I hate this play, <laughs> but in a good. Like, no, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Like, yeah, it's cool. But tell me, why do you hate this play? What was your? Fir- do you remember your first experience with Romeo and Juliet? Do like, you- how did you feel about it when you were fourteen? That is exactly why I hate this play. This play is given to young adults as like, look how romantic this is. This is Romeo Uh and Juliet and look how cool. And I'm, you know what? No, I didn't. People were already telling me that that was kind of what was really happening with Romeo and Juliet in like high school and whatever. I'm thinking about like elementary school. Cause sometimes, okay. Cause I feel like, Elements of Romeo and Juliet are explored on, like, the Animaniacs or, like, different cartoon things Uh or maybe even, like, Hey Arnold or something. But, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're kind of presented... Yeah, I think Helga does the the Juliet... Helga Pataki? I think she does the (laughs) Juliet monologue. Anyway, if if I'm wrong, it's... The feel is there. Um, But my point Uh is that young children are given Romeo and Juliet as, like, this is what relationships should be. And then you get to actually read it in, I don't know, middle school, high school. And either you're told, yeah, this is what it should be. Or no, 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 hold on. This makes no sense. But should we even like, that should be the conversation that we're having the whole time with Romeo and Juliet. It should never Uh be like, they're so in love, blah, 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 blah. Um, Or, you know, I think that, you know, like in giving this story to children, I think that it's it's always I uh, think of like Nomeo and Juliet, uh-huh. where it's like so completely like transformed in Nomeo and Juliet. Like yeah. they make it a comedy and it has a happy ending. And so I think like it's and I think that's often what what does happen when, you know, in whatever form. Romeo and Juliet is made for children. Like they change the ending. Um, but yeah. But yeah, that is like, I don't know. I think it just maybe speaks to like the, it's like such an intrinsic story in our culture. Yeah. That like, it's kind of inescapable. Yeah. But yeah, that's, and I think that they're, you know, I think that, when you know it's given to children it's like I'm, I'm thinking about like what I thought about it when I was in elementary school like I don't know that I was ever given the message that this is what real love looks like yeah and or at least like I never you know that was never a message that I internalized yeah so, like, I don't know if it, I'm sure, you know, it depends on, like, each person's individual experience. But, like, I n- never felt like th- it was aspirational or that it was meant to be aspirational Yeah. in any way. Totally. So, I don't know. I just think that's, yeah. 
I think that's very interesting. <laughs> by the time I got to my Shakespeare class in college and we could have that conversation about, wow, this is wild, then I really en- enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Um, anywho, yeah. what else? Yeah, definitely. Tell us more about your first experience. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, like we, you know, we were kind of talking about this off the mic um, about how, like, neither of us remembers a time when we didn't, you know, when we weren't aware of Romeo and Juliet. Right. Like, as, as a story, as a cultural touchstone. Um, but I think when, so when I first read the play and, like, actually got, you know, really familiar with it, um, it was in my freshman English class, of course. Of course. Um, and I, you know, like at the time, like, you know, like we would have like these, you know, these discussions, these 14 year olds, yes. we would have these discussions about, about Romeo and Juliet. And, you know, like our class consensus was kind of like, well, yeah, like they're stupid teenagers. Like who would ever do this? You yeah. Know? And like, and so like, that was kind of the attitude that I had toward it as a teenager. Like, this is stupid. Like they're teenagers. Yeah. And like, why, you know, like this, I don't like this story. It's dumb. Um, but I I think that like, like as I've gotten older, I think, and I think this is something that like, a lot of people experience as you get older, like in, in like the way that you view stories and narrative is that like, we can kind of like, I think when you're younger, you have a tendency to take stories much more literally. Yes. And like, so like, and I don't mean that like literally as in like, you think that this actually happened. Right. I mean that like, you see the story as like, like real world logic should apply to the world of this story. Right. When you're young, that's kind of how you think of it. And I think that as we get older and as we read more stories and consume more stories and just kind of mature in our views on the world and life, I think that you can kind of start to see more of a separation yeah. where like you don't necessarily have to take stories literally. You can take it as like uh, it like it's symbolic or it's a myth or it's, you know, totally. It's kind of our um uh it's what is the what is like the word that I'm looking for? <laughs> like you just you don't take it literally anymore like right. you see it as like these things have meaning you know the the characters and the story and the and the um the imagery in this story has meaning apart from what it would translate to in the real world yeah if that makes sense and I think that's kind of how I see Romeo and Juliet now that's kind of how I see a lot of stories now is that like yes this can have you know real world implications but what is really the purpose of this story what is it trying to tell me yeah I don't see it as like a story that you know we take literally as like something that yes. you know that we would apply real world logic and and um critical thinking too (laughs) yeah Um, because it's more of like a symbolic story or it's more of like a myth or even like a fairy tale in a way um, right removed from reality yeah totally in a way and so you know to to look at it as like oh like Romeo and Juliet like they're just stupid teenagers like if they were in the real world, yes, that's true. But within the world of their story, that, you know, it makes perfect sense. No, totally. And I think I think it adds to that um, element of this is not to be taken seriously in how right. Shakespeare yeah. wrote it with, like, the rhyming couplets. And they mm-hmm. when they first speak, they 
Romeo and Juliet create a sonnet together. Like that adds mm-hmm. to that intent of, hey, this is removed from um, reality, you know. But I, I think sometimes the pitfall of a, and my hand quotes are going up, a so-called <laughs> classic we sometimes look at it as if, like, oh, it's so wise. And it is, but maybe for the things that we're not looking for. Like, right. we're, we're yeah. looking for it to be wise about romance, but really it's, right, it's wise about the follies of romance or the, mm-hmm. like, the follies of youth. And I think it also, you know, like, do we ever know why the Montagues and the Capulets are fighting do we ever know what the cause of that was i don't yeah so so i think i think you know it can also you know of course like shakespeare didn't come up with the story like it was based on like much older stories sure from you know that that part of the world from italy um you know i think like the story even dates back to you know like like the 13th century or or something um yeah, it's it's an old story. But I think that, you know, like in Shakespeare's writing of it, you know, like there's, you know, some commentary on like, well, how to like, how do conflicts get started? And like, why are they still fighting if they don't know why, you know, like, why yeah. is there this continual feud, this continual grudge being held for no reason i mean like they they end up like killing each other (laughs) in the play so like i mean that's that's not no reason but in college i wrote a paper that basically said where the heck were the adults this whole time (laughs) (laughs) it's like uh and i my uh my professor was like yes and like but where Uh (laughs) why was the friar and the nurse like letting this happen you know like not it's not their fault but you have to give a little guidance sometimes to these young ones I don't know I don't know right and you know I think like within the play at least with Juliet it's commented on that like she is an adult now like at least her society views her as a grown woman now because she is of childbearing age like there's the whole exchange with her mother where like her her mother says that you know when I was your age I was already a mother yeah which means that her mom is like 28 (laughs) like (laughs) right right but yeah like I think that you know the way that we view adulthood is you know like adolescence wasn't really a thing back then um like they were if you were a teenager like you were a young you were an adult a young adult but you were an adult and you were expected to be able to make adult life choices yeah Um, which is another interesting takeaway (laughs) from totally and like now it could be argued that now we've taken it to the opposite end where we sometimes you might argue that sometimes teens aren't even like given appropriate literature to read in high school because they Mm. think people say oh they're just kids so I think we need to find a this is an entirely different like TED (laughs) talk but um we need to find the happy medium between, okay, you're an adult at 14. Like, I'm just going to push you out of the nest and you can't handle anything. I'm going to shield you. That kind of thing. Right. Uh, anyway, that's Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> and that's where we're time. at emotionally no, with it. <laughs> that's where we are emotionally with Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> As we get into these, do you have like a favorite adaptation? You know, uh, I really, really like the Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet. Uh-huh. I think it's so, like, it's so over the top, but also yeah. really well done. Yeah. Like, yeah, I love the modern setting. I love how they translate the elements of the play into the modern setting. Totally. Um, yeah, and it's the music is fantastic. Uh, I, I love yeah. Baz Luhrmann. Yeah, 
I think it's really great. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What's your favorite? Oh, West Side Story. I am, Okay, sure. Yeah. I am obsessed with that musical. I think <laughs> it's one of the only times that I like the movie version of a musical. Oh, um, okay. Usually I think that they get it way wrong when they try to translate musical theater stagings onto the screen. I think they can be terrible. But the oh, yeah. uh, West, West Side <laughs> Story, the movie, is perfect it's perfection and i am obsessed with it um Mm. which is of course a retelling of romeo and juliet yeah should we define some terms here because this is like something that will you know that will come up in all of these summer theater episodes so we're going to talk we're going to be talking about adaptations and retellings and we're talking about those as two separate things yeah. So by adaptations or direct adaptations, we mean that this work has the same title, the characters have the same names, the story adheres mostly faithfully to the original text. Um, whether it uses the actual text or not, it is like recognizable as yes, this is a direct adaptation. Right. Whereas a retelling may have um, like some of the same elements, but it's been transformed enough that it is a separate um, work. So like West Side Story is a retelling of Romeo and Juliet. The characters have different names. The story differs a little bit, but the same basic story is there but they've changed some of the elements so like in west side story the circumstances are a lot different um Mm -hmm. and it's not like a silly i don't want to say a silly family feud but it's not like a perhaps something that began in a trivial nature in west side story it's this long-standing um history of you know, these two communities who exist mm-hmm. in the same space. Um, and Tony and Maria are the names instead of Romeo and Juliet. And they are not 14. They are right. probably like 16 to 19, depending on your, depending on who's directing and who's making that mm-hmm. decision. But yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. So like, obviously like, uh, you know, like the 1960s Zeffirelli film, we would call a direct adaptation. I would call the Lerman film, I would call that a direct adaptation because sure. it uses it uses the text, um, even though it's in a modern setting. Like it, you know, yeah, it's it's an adaptation. Um, and then even things like the the ballet, um, yeah. the opera. Like, I would call those direct adaptations as well because they have the same title, the characters have the same names, the story is the same. Yeah. Obviously, they don't use the text, but <laughs> right. it's, it is recognizable as this is the, sa- this is the same thing, the same work yeah. or the same story. Yeah. Oh, man, the ballet gets me every time, but okay. Um, <laughs> I've never yeah. seen it, but I have listened to the music, and it's it's beautiful. Uh, it's so pretty. As soon as I yeah. can, I want to go to see more ballets and operas <sighs> and things. Yeah. Um, there, <laughs> I think some, like, people and, and writers all over the world are also making their own direct adaptations. I found one that was a, a French musical from 2001. Oh, um, okay. And I, I couldn't really find anything about it um, except on Wikipedia or on um, when you Google it, it says musical by William Shakespeare with no <laughs> other description, which made me laugh and laugh and laugh this morning. <laughs> And I, I can only assume it's a pretty direct, um, I mean, if he wrote it himself, you know, you would assume it's pretty direct adaptation. Right. Yeah. A musical, <laughs> but like William Shakespeare wrote the songs. Like yeah, He's still writing posthumously. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. In 2001. Yeah. 
It's like Tupac. Um. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, like we have our list here of direct, um, stagings and adaptations, or stagings and direct adaptations. I think, you know, like we didn't want to focus too much on on this because, like, the, you know, like film adaptations are like you know the really obvious route for discussing um, pop culture influence but like you know these movies can have like I think like the Baz Luhrmann movie had you know like that's like a cultural touchstone in and of itself apart from the Romeo and Juliet text Romeo and Juliet text yeah Um, (laughs) but yeah I think that you know we like if we we can discuss adaptations sort of like as an expression of how the culture viewed the play at the time that the adaptation was made. If that makes sense. Totally. I love that. Yeah. But yeah, I think that the, it, you know, they each, they each kind of highlight like what was, what's important. And you know, this is true. Like anytime, there's, you know, a film adaptation of like a, you know, a canon work, you know, from the English canon. Um, but like the new, like the direction that, that the adaptation takes highlights what is important about the work at this time and to these people. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, any more to say about that? I don't know. I don't know what it, I don't know what I'm doing, Erin. I'm, I'm sorry. Yes, you do. You're perfect. I love it. Do we have any more to say about that? <laughs> well, no. I um, I would just wonder if you've seen any, if you've ever seen this show, like in um, either an adaptation or like a, well, I guess unless you'd seen West Side Story, you wouldn't have seen a retelling. But have you seen this show on the stage? Uh, yes, I have. I have not. Did you like it? Wait, have I seen West Side Story on the stage? either okay so I have not seen West Side Story live I have seen I want to say I've seen at least two different productions of Romeo and Juliet um, cool. on what, stage. Um, what did you think or you know three if you count my freshman English English classes yes <laughs> in our class um, where of I, course. I played Mercutio and oh. I decided that he was going to talk like a pirate. So that was fun. Um, yeah, he was, <laughs> you know, Pirates of the Caribbean was very big at the time. So, but, sure. um, so anyway, uh, <laughs> um, so the, the Romeo and Juliet that, uh, that I am like remembering right now, um, it was a high school production. It was not my high school I think I was I was like in college I think and I went to see a high school production because like my friend's little sister was in it or something and like I I felt like it was very well done but I also felt like uh, the the actors in this high school production the two leads I think had a pretty good grasp of the of the text and of the speech Uh Most of the other actors, it was awkward. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that happens, like, and that's fine. Like, that's totally fine. Um, you know, like, that's part of, like, the education process in theater and in, you know, Shakespeare literature education. Yeah. Like, that's part of the process of learning it. Like, it's going to be awkward, you know, for because it, it's something that they're not familiar with. And, you know, like, it's, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I, I really loved seeing that production. Cause I think I, I love seeing like any, you know, high school, middle school performance, um, yeah. you know, like a, like an orchestra performance or like, yeah. you know, something like that where like they're, you know, like they're kind of just learning this this art form they're just getting into this this performance or and this um 
you know, whether it's learning an instrument or an acting or singing or, um, and it's just really fun to see like the different like stages of growth that each different performer is in. Um, yeah. Cause like a lot of times in high school productions, you get like a couple of kids who are really, really, really good. And yeah. then you get some who are, you know, they're, you can see that like they're growing and they're on their way. And then there's the kids who are just there. Yeah. <laughs> like they're absolutely. just participating and maybe they're having fun or maybe they don't want to be there, but whatever. Like totally. Yeah. But this particular production, um, yeah, I felt like the two leads, they really had a good grasp on the text. Um, but they, <laughs> I don't know if this was the direction or if this was like, if they decided this is what they wanted to do, but they kissed more than necessary. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. My friend and I like counted. I was like, yeah, I don't think that the, that the text calls for a kiss at that, at that scene, but that's fine. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was the thing I remembered most about it was that they kissed a lot. Anyway, that was a very long, that was a very long explanation. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, it was worth Um, it. No, I like it. I feel like I'm just, I'm just spouting. This is what happens when we don't have like a clear outline, Erin. I just ramble. Um, (laughs) I like it. Well, and it makes me think because I'm thinking a lot about how like the performers and the whole production team really can like change the story from production to production to production depending on who's behind it and I saw I saw the national tour of West Side Story and I thought it was god-awful and I thought that it missed the point Hmm. um they all looked like they were auditioning for they were all in these like every single person in West Side Story was wearing like a brightly cut v-neck t-shirt that looked straight from American Apparel oh no they all looked like they had just wandered out of like an Abercrombie ad and they were trying to do, and it made me really frustrated because that's the version where Lin-Manuel Miranda added, finally mm-hmm. added Spanish yeah. to the text, um, which is a whole other discussion of how on earth was there not Spanish in this before, mm-hmm. but um, it just missed the point. Like my family is from Brooklyn and everyone looked as if they had just walked out of like Beverly Hills and it just (laughs) missed the point I think um all to say that there can be brilliance on the high school stage and like a high schooler who completely gets it and can portray these roles super well and then you can get to the national stage and kind of have a head scratcher as to how did this person ever get here professionally telling this story <laughs> you know incorrectly right. oh goodness it, theater is fascinating as education for everyone you know I think mm-hmm. if you're an actor you go through an education process learning about the part you're playing whether you're in high school or you know a national production yeah um, and I mean I guess you could argue that anyone's portrayal of something is not wrong because it's how they saw the character. But right. I, it was not what I wanted from West Side Story, if sure, I'm being honest. Yeah. yeah, it was more about, it sounds like it was more about like the flash and the production value yes. than like actually telling the story talking about like years and centuries and decades of hurt and you know Mm -hmm. all this other stuff um yeah you have some good retellings here do you have a favorite retelling oh my goodness um i i really love nomeo and juliet (laughs) yes I think it's so cute. Um, no, I actually, my, I think my favorite, 
Romeo and Juliet retelling is actually a book called Roman and Jewel by Dana L. Davis. Yeah. Um, I think I told you about this one. You did. Quite a while ago. Yeah. Um, So this is a YA contemporary romance novel. And it's about like a staging of a Broadway musical, like hip hop musical retelling of Romeo and Juliet. So like the book itself, I guess, isn't a retelling. I mean, it kind of is. But okay. like they're stage they're staging a retelling of Romeo and Juliet within the book. Sure. So it's kind of a meta a meta retelling. Um I love meta. Yeah. Yeah. Then like it's so much fun. Um, you know, it's a very uh uh like the characters in the book are very diverse and you know, the the main character is uh, a young black girl and she's like the understudy for um, for Jewel or for Jewel, the Juliet character is named Jewel, and yeah, it just was. I really loved it. Yeah, and yeah, and you should read it, Aaron. I, think I you really like it. I remember the text that said this was written for you. You should, yeah, read this. right. And I like it. Seems like it was written for you. <laughs> it does sound right up my alley. I will absolutely yeah. try it out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I also really like These Violent Delights, which is another YA um, retelling. But this one is set in 1930s Shanghai. And it's with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also like fantasy, like almost kind of like, like a horror fantasy a little bit. Um, That sounds amazing. Yeah. It's also really good, but it's it's um, it's a duology, and I don't think the second book is out yet. So okay, yeah. Well, but that one's also fun. I really like that they explored the horror, like because my favorite part of the play is when Juliet is imagining being in the tomb, right? And she's Ooh, yeah talking about. Like, she's anticipating what that will feel like and what this decision really is. Um, And it gets really supernatural and freaky and just really some of my favorite Shakespearean writing, honestly. And I'm really happy to hear that it sounds like they took those moments and kind of ran with them. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. I did also put warm bodies on this list. (laughs) Yes. Um, this is like almost (laughs) like, it's almost like not even like it's barely Romeo and Juliet, (laughs) but I think it still counts because it has the balcony scene. So, oh, then yeah, then we're good. Yeah, it totally counts. Um, (laughs) but yeah, it's, I, yeah, it's like totally ridiculous, but I love it. Um, and you should watch it. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think I saw it a heck of a long time ago, and I can't okay. quite remember <laughs> it, but I should watch it again. It's the one where it's a, like a, a zombie romance. It's zombies. Right? Zombies, yeah. yeah. Heck yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> I love zombies. Me too. You know especially this about me. I do. I mean, especially when our two, like, I mean, Romeo and Juliet does explore death. In, like, a really yeah. big way. And so it makes sense Absolutely. to put them as zombies. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Do you have, besides West Side Story, do you have another favorite, like, either a retelling or, like, uh, an, uh, you know, a reference to Romeo and Juliet or, like, some other kind of reference or echo of Romeo and Juliet in media? Yeah, a little bit. So in um, <laughs> in my favorite <laughs> trashy dance movie, um, Center Stage, they oh go <laughs> they go to see Romeo and Juliet, and she watches oh, the balcony right. scene. Yeah, and I yeah I forgot about that part. It takes you out of the campy drama, and it takes you into just really beautiful dancing and. And from there, I was able to look up the actual ballet and watch some of that when I watched it like a long, long time ago. Um, 
And so from like this kind of trashy dance movie about <laughs> being a college it's a ballerina. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. The dancing is very good, but it's a terrible movie um, that I oh, absolutely. Is adore. the dancing good? I because I so I had a friend when when the movie came out, I had a friend who was a dancer and she said the dancing was bad. One so guy is good. The, okay. <laughs> the blonde villain guy who so if you haven't well if you haven't seen center stage go freak and watch it but yeah um, it is lead, required viewing <laughs> it absolutely it has zoe saldana in it come on oh, it does yeah um <laughs> she required has viewing, a very but, she has a much smaller role than she should have but that's oh absolutely yeah um <laughs> and of course, there's a love triangle because blah, 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 blah. And the um, guy... Pardon me, ma'am. Are you deriding love triangles? Uh, I'm going to get so much hate mail, but yeah, I am. <laughs> I'm, uh... you, know, you know who wrote love triangles? William Shakespeare. Ever heard of him? No, I haven't. Who's that guy? Mm-hmm. Who's Billy That's Shakes? What I, <laughs> what I thought. Billy Shakes. Anyway, Billy Shakes. go on. But there's a love triangle, and like two of the actors are super boring, and then the one you're supposed to hate, the blonde guy, is actually a ballet like guy. The most charismatic he... person. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I was obsessed with his dancing. I thought he was uh-huh. really good. Um, <laughs> Also, look at those muscles. But that's beside the point. Um, from there, I did look up the, the ballet and I was just enthralled with it because it is beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. there's something about this story is so all about passion. Um, Romeo yeah. and Juliet at its core is about passion. And when you're able, so, sometimes it's nice to take away the words and to just watch someone dance the passion beats of the story. And I think it's, for my money, it's a more, um, it's a more informative look at human emotion than maybe even the play is because you see just the emotions in like dance form and it's just enthralling it's beautiful um go look it up i'm a little bit of a dance nerd a little bit love it love it love it (laughs) are you a dance mom well (laughs) i just enrolled my cat for some jazzercise if that's what you mean perfect Um, perfect get it perfect oh i I do get it i did um you see what i did there i it was it was pretty good. I liked it. Rhonda, <laughs> on this podcast, we sometimes talk about how these pieces are seen in other parts of pop culture. Do you have yes. any favorites of those? Yes. Well, I love... Um, so, y- you and I um, love the TV show Slings and Arrows, um, oh yeah, we sure do. And like, you are the only person I know who has even heard of this show, which is bonkers like, and really yonkers. Strange. It's bonkers yeah. and yonkers. It is Canadian, so that could be part of it. Um, yeah, but it's young like, Rachel McAdams. Come on, it's for real. It's like legit one of my favorite shows, and yeah. like no one I know has heard of it. <laughs> It's so good. Yeah. But anyway, so in Slings and Arrows, so Slings and Arrows is a show about, um, it's a a Shakespeare company in a small town in Canada. And each, um, so there's, there's only three seasons of the show, but each season they kind of, um, they're, they're, they kind of focus on one play that they're staging yeah. Um, and that and that play kind of echoes thematically what's going on in the actors' lives. So in I think it's is it in the second season, the main play that they're staging is Macbeth, but there's this B storyline with the staging of Romeo and Juliet that is like 
so interesting to me. Like the, so like the director that they bring in to direct Romeo and Juliet, he has like all of these very like avant-garde, like pretentious <laughs> ideas for how he wants to stage it. Like he, he like puts them in these like cage costume things. It's like a, like Juliet's, skirt looks like a bird cage like of course yeah and then they also they have these like head dresses that are like chess pieces so oh it's gosh. like a very like on the nose like uh-huh. these are chess pieces that are being moved around for you know for strategy and they like, are pawns politics. in this game they're yeah. pawns in this game yeah exactly which like if I, if I saw a real staging of Romeo and Juliet that did that, I would be like, this is the most pretentious thing ever. I'm leaving yeah. after act one. But, <laughs> yeah. but like within the narrative of the show, I love it because it like speaks to like sort of the like, so like by by the end of the season like the director this director has kind of come around and he's like let loose and he like you know um has like a come to jesus moment and he lets the <laughs> he lets the play just kind of breathe and be you know like more naturalistic and and uh more uh organic but um yeah. <laughs> but like i love that interpretation yeah uh, where like it wouldn't work for an actual production, but just like as an idea, I just love yeah. it. I don't know. Anyway. And, <laughs> and we've all been in that, pr- those production team meetings for a real theater play where someone suggests something so just so maybe meta or so like commendable in thought, but then in yeah. actual execution, you get it on the stage and you're like, Oh, no, 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 no. I think mm-hmm. Slings and Arrows does a really good job of that whole conversation about, like, sometimes your great idea just doesn't quite translate yeah. to yeah. what we might want to see on the stage. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I, I miss that show. Man. So, I mean, I bought all three seasons, on you know, on digital um, so I can watch it anytime I want, but like, yeah. uh, why didn't they make more of it? <laughs> I know. Oh, they should man. have a reunion. <gasps> they- <gasps> Hashtag slings and arrows reunion 2021. Hashtag Rachel McAdams make it happen. Yes. If we could get in touch with Rachel McAdams. Oh, I she love can make- oh you know what's so, what's really interesting. I, recent not super recently maybe like a couple months ago i was reading um uh, this article about slings and arrows and um you know in the first season the um the like movie star guy uh-huh who who plays hamlet um there there's like speculation that that character was based on keanu reeves <laughs> Because the because like in the early nineties, Keanu Reeves was kind of seen as just like this like action movie guy. Oh. With like, you know, not a lot of like depth to him, I guess. But then he he um he starred in a Canadian Shakespeare company production of Hamlet. Oh. And that kind of like changed his reputation a little bit. So there's oh, like that's- Oh, like maybe this is yeah. That's fascinating. That's interesting. Anyway, we'll talk more about slings and arrows later. We will. Yay. Um, yeah. <laughs> I also you have it in our notes and I completely agree that I love I love all of the references to Shakespeare and Gilmore Girls, but I Yay. especially love the episode where the girls are tasked with um, adapting their own version of one of the mm-hmm. scenes of Romeo and Juliet. And it, yeah. um, 
And of course it causes other things to happen in the lives of Rory and Dean because Dean is just (laughs) far too jealous and can't trust his girlfriend and all of this stuff happens. Um, We're judging you, Dean, but um, hardcore. Always. So (laughs) she didn't, it's, Oh my gosh, it's all fine. Anyway. Um, I love I thought that, that would must have been such a fun episode to write. So you get you get a scene where um, or a few scenes where in the background you see all of the different places that they've placed Romeo and Juliet. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I like the caveman I, one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and of course, um, the the man that Lane is in love with at the moment gets a really cool monologue and you get to see her kind of fall in love with him as, uh-huh. as you watch it as she watches him so you get those sweet moments um then you also get like Lorelai and Suki talking about how you can't speak too loudly in the audience um, <laughs> because someone's mother or father is likely behind you listening um uh-huh and that's a really good joke, but I also think it's a really good point and yes. goes back to what you were talking about earlier <laughs> about how this is a learning process and it's important that we let our future um, and growing artists explore and grow, even if it's on the stage and even if they fail. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that was a really sweet moment when, Lorelai and Suki get in trouble for their bad behavior yeah. <laughs> um, because it's so spot on that we sh- we have to allow our our artists to grow and learn and have a safe space to do that. But it's also so darn easy to just kind of yeah, it's because make... it's really funny sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> but I also I also like when like when they're leaving the the performance and Suki's like we should do something else to make us feel smart like go to a museum or or play chess or something (laughs) right and and then when Suki um she tries to quote it and she's like oh Romeo blah 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 (laughs) blah 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 (laughs) (laughs) I think so I had this disclaimer in here that I meant to give before we started this discussion that like, since there are so many adaptations and references and retellings of Romeo and Juliet, like we're not really going to have time to talk about every single one of them. So if we missed your favorite, let us, please don't take it personally. Yeah. And let us know if we missed your favorite, send us a voice message. But before we wrap this up, I think we need to talk about Taylor Swift. Yeah. And her song Love Story. Oh yeah. Because that is that is a Romeo and Juliet retelling yeah. all it on its own. Yeah. Um just just to get it off the the elephant in my room. I once broke mm-hmm. up to, with someone in the middle of that song. Um, oh, that yeah. is fantastic. I'm so proud of you. We were in the car listening to it and then we went to lunch and then I just had to stop. I It had to stop viewers or listeners. It just had to. And so I did the whatever and then he drove me home and I forgot that Love Story had been playing. And so for after I've just... Um, you know hurt someone's feelings a little bit we had to listen to the rest of this song um so that's my story anyway taylor swift great and taylor swift no but i love this so like i i love this particular like work as like a piece of romeo and juliet yeah canon or (laughs) Or like, you know, a a retelling in a way, Um, because I think that, you know, especially Taylor Swift's early music was very much about like teenage romance and, you know, like having like those big feelings that you have as a teenager when like you think that every 
relationship is like the be all end all and like every every breakup is the end of the world like yeah that kind of feeling and so like I think that this song and this artist was really like the perfect expression like the perfect translation of the Romeo and Juliet story for like the time that the song you know was released um yeah and I just like it's just a it's a great song it's a great music video it is Um, (laughs) yeah it's a great music video it's really great no I was just gonna completely agree and it it really like makes the story really really personal everyone can relate to that song you know I that song gets me in the feels I love that Mm -hmm. one And I love her, she, you know, recent, like, I think a couple months ago released her re-recorded version of that entire album. Um, And I think it's really, I mean, there's been, like, kind of discussions about this um, online, about, like, the differences that you can hear between her original version and her re-recorded version. It's arranged exactly the same and like the instrumentation I think is if not quite exact like it's very close to exactly the same but you can still hear that there's like more there's more nuance in her voice there's more maturity in her voice yeah than there was and like just the sound just it's just sounds like richer and yeah in a way yeah it's really great what a fascinating way, and this is, I'm about to get real meta, but what a fascinating way to explore how fe- how falling in love feels different as you get older and as you absolutely yeah relate to things differently. I think that is so fascinating that she would record it again now that she's older. Like, mm-hmm. that's so cool. What a neat idea. Yeah. And I think, well, and the reason why she re- she's re-recording all of her early albums because her previous record label still owns the master recordings of those. Oh. Yeah. And so she's doing these re-recordings basically like so that if, you know, if her songs earn royalties you know for like from being in commercials or movies or whatever she will get the royalties rather than her old recording company her old uh, record label getting yeah yeah um yeah so that's why she's doing it but uh, also just like as an artistic project I think you know it it is a really interesting um exploration yeah I didn't know that that was happening in the world. I should go, I should listen to that. I, you know, I'll, I'll come out and say it. When I was younger, I didn't, um, I wasn't not a fan of Taylor Swift, but I just didn't really listen to her. And now I just respect her so much. I think she's really Mm -hmm. neat. We need to talk more about Taylor Swift in future episodes. (laughs) And we will. And we will. Um, we will at like some point. Like the time, sh- the old Taylor can't come to the phone anymore. Oh my god! Why? Cause she's Cause dead. She's dead. <laughs> uh, she she goes there. You know, she really she goes so hard, <laughs> and she really explores things. Like what a mm-hmm. what an interesting um, what an interesting exploration that song is. My yeah. goodness. <laughs> So we are now the Taylor Swift podcast. Yes, sure this is how we're telling already, you. I'm sure there are already tons of Taylor Swift podcasts. But, oh, I bet. Yeah, I. You know, but none as insightful as ours. Um, oh, we're. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I sounded so sure of that yeah. answer. Well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think this is a really fun kickoff to summer theater program. I think this is a yeah. great. A great play to start us off. But yeah, like we said, please send us your voice messages. Yes. If you have thoughts or if you just want to say hi, yeah, send those in. We would love to hear from you. Um, or, you know, there's the old-fashioned way. 
there's email snail mail. or social media snail mail yeah I'm, we're not <laughs> giving out our address though right no no. Okay. <laughs> you guys boundaries um, no 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 yeah, no 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 um but yeah we'd love to hear from you we want um I mean we always want to hear from you but I think especially with these with these theater play discussions like we want to you know we want to have this as more of like a uh an interactive experience so yeah yeah Thanks, friends. I hope everyone is enjoying as we get closer to the summer months. I don't know. I always think of July as most like June feels like almost pre-summer to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, technically, summer doesn't start until like the third week of June. So, ha! I knew I was right. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Keep keep taking care of each other. Yeah. yeah keep taking care of each other yeah thanks for joining us thanks friends oh should we end with the last line of Romeo and Juliet if you remind me what it is uh, well we can google it real quick Here, <laughs> let's see no not Romeo's last line come on now no oh here it is For never was a story of more woe than this of Juliet and her Romeo. And scene. (laughs) Okay. uh, Join us in two weeks for The Importance of Being Earnest. It's going to be a wild time. It is. (laughs) Get it? (laughs) Sorry. I had to. All right, guys. You had to. (laughs) All right, we'll see you later. Okay, bye.